Hello, hello, hello. You're tuning into the Grandson of a Pastor podcast with your host, Yurik. And yes, I am truly a grandson of a pastor. Uh, in this episode, we're going to dive into a two-part series. We're going to first talk about the COVID-19 pandemic, and we're also going to talk about uh, consent and sexual violence in episode to follow. So we got a expert in both subjects. Uh, we have Dr. Felicia Kimbrough, who's going to talk on both subjects. And uh, so, again, on the Grand Center of a Pastor podcast, we are imperfect souls on an imperfect walk, influenced by our parents, grandparents, and our most importantly, our religious beliefs. If you got any suggestions, please feel free to email me at edware2020 at gmail.com. Also, you can send your suggestions to P.O. Box 341 53 Louisville, Kentucky 40232. So I would like to welcome Mrs. Mrs. Dr. Felicia Kimbrough to the podcast. Hello, Mr. Ware. Thank you for having me. Um, I guess I should give the listeners a little background uh, in who I am and kind of what I do. Yes. Uh, my name is Felicia Kimbrough, and I have a doctorate of nursing practice that I obtained from SIU Edwardsville in Illinois. Um, I'm originally from the Hopkinsville, Kentucky area, and I've worked in uh, various facets of nursing. Right now, I am working as a nurse practitioner inside of a school-based health center here at, uh, in Illinois at Carbondale Community High School. And um, for the listeners that don't exactly know what a school-based health center is, because it is relatively, it's, it's a little new for some people, it is a fully functioning clinic located inside of a high school. And the purpose of the school-based health center is to promote wellness and health. We also see students, faculty, staff, their families, and past graduates for any health conditions. However, we also educate. We try to watch epidemiological trends within the school, mm -hmm. and we try to promote health and wellness within the school to keep students in the classroom learning where they need to be. Great, great, great. So we're going to get right to it. So we are in the midst of the COVID 19 pandemic here in the United States and people are experiencing this pandemic all over the world. Uh, so I want to start off with a scripture because we got so many different leaders, uh, politicians, uh, people talking about the COVID-19 and nobody knows who and what to believe. So I got a scripture that I want to read. It's, it's 1 John 4 and 1 where it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So give us a, uh, an educated approach on what the COVID-19, because a lot of people at the beginning, uh, our president here uh, said it was a hoax. <laughs> uh, it was going to just magically disappear. So uh, we know now that this is truly a pandemic all over the world. So give me a breakdown of what you think in, uh, about this uh, COVID-19. Okay. Well, I want to start with COVID-19 is, uh, is a strand of the coronavirus. It is spread by droplet. Uh, it is not going to go anywhere, no matter how warm it is outside. And we are seeing that. Yeah. Um, 
COVID-19 uh, as I stated before is spread by droplets and some droplets you can see uh, such as saliva and what spews out of someone's mouth and then there's droplets that you cannot see and um, studies have shown that six feet is a good distance for protection along with covering the nasal passages where the droplets enter uh, that would be your nose and your mouth using some type of facial covering or mask got you got you got you so what i want i want my listeners to know what are you doing uh at your home to protect uh from uh the coronavirus well, uh, I do, I do want to tell you a scripture, uh, okay. because this is this podcast, uh, and, and that would be Matthew chapter 22, verse 39. And that is love your, your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Um, I do think that some of the issues we're having go back to this. I don't think that Americans are taking the approach of even if I'm healthy, even if I am not concerned with getting COVID-19, which I think we all should be concerned, but even if you are not, that you should be loving your neighbor. Yes. Um, and we're, we're, we're just not doing that. Um, in our family, we have practiced social distancing. We are wearing masks when we're out uh, in public settings, and we are limiting the public settings that we're going to, uh, especially with our two children there's really not a need for both parents and both kids to be in Walmart or any other shopping place. Um, so we're just not doing that. Uh, one adult is going, one adult is wearing a mask, one adult is coming home, washing their hands, using hand sanitizer, and uh, trying to protect the family unit. Now, we did go to a baseball uh, tournament the other weekend against my better judgment, Mr. Ware. Uh, the numbers were down relatively low in the Illinois area. Yes. We were moving into the different phases of opening up the state. And I did feel like at least the baseball field was outside. Okay. And we could social distance from other family groups by six feet or more. Yeah. Uh, but I did, I did waver on it. I prayed about it. And I tell you what, the Lord gave me some answers because, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because, uh, my son was struck in the arm, arm is broke, no more baseball. And we went home. Okay. Uh, we can laugh about it this week. We weren't, no one was laughing that day, yes. but we're laughing now because when you pray for things, sometimes you don't get the answer you think you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, but I did notice a lack of social distancing there. And it was extremely hard, even in an outdoor setting. Gotcha. So I know you work in the school system uh, as a nurse practitioner. And schools are now beginning to come up with plans on reopening schools. Uh, so, And they are pushing some school opening dates back. Uh, do you think schools are really prepared for the COVID-19 pandemic? And also give us some feedback that what parents should be telling their kids right now, because I know we're about a month, month and a half away from uh, going back to school. What should parents, grandparents be telling their kids and grandkids about this pandemic? Well, I do think that children see what you do. They hear what you say, but they see what you do okay. and they mimic what we do. So. Uh, wearing masks, avoiding groups, using social distancing and good hand washing, not touching the face, not touching the mask. 
Uh, for parents of younger children, yeah. I would encourage you to start getting them used to wearing a face covering. Yes. because that is a little difficult for a kindergartner uh, to go from not wearing any type of face covering to we're going to start school and now you have to wear a face covering all day. Um, so it, it would be helpful if you get them acclimated to it, even to make a game, even to give them rewards. Oh, you wore your mask until the 20 minute timer went off. Here's something you get screen time, whatever the currency is with your kids in your home. Um, and then gradually increase that time of wearing the mask and getting used to it. Uh, people do have fears about uh, being hypoxic with wearing masks, face breaking out with wearing masks. Yeah. Um, now, I will say that when you're using cloth masks, if they are extremely dense and thick, yes, that can be an issue. Um, so I encourage you to make sure that your masks are not so thick that they do that. If yeah. you do start to get dizzy, uh, if you do start to feel lightheaded with your mask on, remove yourself, let someone know, hey, I'm not feeling so good. Back up, social distance from the people around you and remove the mask. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So we also, uh, many months ago, uh, they didn't have church uh, because of the COVID-19. Now churches are beginning to slowly uh, open back up. And I know um, I'm right now, I, I prefer doing the uh, live streaming. Uh, what's your take on uh, churches reopening? Uh, because it's a lot of different restrictions. And a lot of people are just not listening to the restrictions. Uh, a lot of people, as they always say, they, the Lord's got me. So what, what is some of your takes on uh, this COVID when it, goes, when it comes to going back to church? Well, when I have patience and people tell me that the Lord has me, I do remind them of the parable of the man out at sea. And the Lord did send him several things and he neglected to use the things that the Lord sent him. Okay. And I believe the Lord sent us masks. Please wear them and please wash your hands. Yeah. Um, I think churches and schools both are in a unique position with this pandemic because in this lifetime, we haven't had a pandemic. Correct. And uh, we have had some, we have had a different presidential leadership style with this pandemic. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Everybody knows where I stand on that. <laughs> yes. So um, with that being said, this is different and new, and we are all trying to kind of learn from the other European countries, the other countries in Asia that have dealt with the pandemic and had good success and seen their numbers drop. Um, with the church, some of the unique situations with the church start with singing. Yes. Because anytime you are singing and anytime you have a group of people reciting words and uh, doing things in unison, you're going to expel more droplet. The droplet's going to go farther. So you're going to increase the risk of uh, contamination and, and passing the virus to people. There's also the issue with church on Bibles, different uh, hymnals, people touching those things and the need to clean those things or remove those from the sanctuary. And last but not least, also people that are frontline workers and people that work in high risk fields and the church deciding, are you going to allow those parishioners into the church? And where do we, where, where do you draw the line 
on telling someone that they can or cannot enter the church. And I do not have the answer for that, but (laughs) that is sure to come up. Um, As far as schools, are schools prepared? I think schools have been trying to get prepared as soon as they started closing in March and just talking with different health providers and um, statewide superintendents and trying to figure out the the best method to to educate kids and to protect kids because we have a lot of kids that are in homes that are high risk for abuse and other issues. And the school is often the first line of defense and to have kids not in a school setting for uh, five to six months does increase the risk of child abuse and other things that a lot of the general public just honestly just don't think about and hunger. Gotcha. So I know you talked about already sporting events because uh, Major League Baseball is about to open up. Uh, the NBA is going to open up at the end of July. Uh, and I know uh, we want our sports. Uh, I'm one of them. <laughs> uh, what uh, do you, what's your take on sports and those big, big social gatherings? I know with the NBA, they're going to try to limit the access of this, what they call bubble, where there's nobody going to be in or out. But what, how do you uh, view sports in the corona uh, virus right now? Do we have enough information to go on with these sports? Uh, it's just your take. So, I mean, on well, we are – Well, go ahead. I think that baseball is unique in that it is outside. Okay. So I do think that, that that does help them if they maybe limit some of the seats that are available, do more – group ticket sales and try and space and have uh, patrons of the ballpark wear masks. Um, So that could definitely help baseball. I think with basketball and the closed setting, it does present a unique set of circumstance and a potential for, for a large outbreak. Gotcha. Not to mention they are supposed to <laughs> open back basketball in Florida where the cases are on the rise. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes. So also because uh, the pandemic, when it started, uh, came from China, it affected uh, a lot of our elderly people. And I know every person, every, every, every family member has an elderly person uh, in their family. I know we want to see our loved ones. What uh, are do, or do you think that the uh, nursing homes, the senior leaving care people, what are they doing different that will prevent the outbreak in those particular areas? Well, long-term care facilities and facilities that house, especially the elderly, yes. they uh, in the beginning did say no visitors and that was not well received by some people but it was important to limit the amount of potential people that had been exposed to the virus symptomatic or asymptomatic from coming in and dispersing that virus not only to the staff but also of course the elderly people there and uh, they were in a unique position. I think they did the right thing. I think they worked with their staff and had them using um, their PPE, their personal protective equipment 
with every patient and try to limit moving from one part of the building to another part of the building. And as we stated before, limiting visitors, because you cannot control what people are doing outside of the facility and what they bring into the facility. So I, I think they did the right thing. I do know that many of them are now starting to allow visitors with masks and following certain, certain protocols and asking visitors if they're frontline workers, if they work in high risk places, um, if they've traveled, if they've had any of the symptoms in trying to protect the elderly. Yes. And the, the pandemic in, in itself is affecting the, the minority uh, community a lot higher uh, at a rate higher than normal, uh, what are what are what are your what's your take on why? Uh, is it just lack of education, or is it just because uh, I know we are at risk with high high blood pressure, diabetes, and things like that? What is your take on why the rates on uh, the minority community is higher uh, than others? I think that the death rates from COVID-19 are higher with the African-American community for several different reasons, uh, especially in the urban areas, you have African-Americans and Hispanic Latinos living in closer, closer units. You have more people living together. You have more apartment dwelling, less single house. Uh, people are closer. So when you're closer and something spread by droplets, more people are going to be at risk and susceptible to the disease. Also, um, mass transit and public transportation. Yes. When you have uh, black and brown people using buses, subways, and those systems that are closed, they're not ventilated well, they're not cleaned regularly. I do believe I read that when they shut down the New York subway system, it was the first time in many decades that they actually cleaned the entire subway system. Okay. <laughs> So you're, you're, these systems are not clean. So when you have uh, people using these systems, they're going to be at higher risk of obtaining a droplet because just close proximity. I mean, the subway system, if you've seen pictures during uh, rush hour, you're shoulder to shoulder and you are much less than six feet apart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then once we look at what African-Americans are higher risk for, which is diabetes, hypertension, and asthma, those are all risk for worse prognosis with COVID-19. So because we are also higher risk for those diseases, then if we have those diseases and we get COVID-19, we're going to be higher risk for that to be a fatal event. Gotcha. Listen, I hope you're listening to Dr. Felicia Kimbrough educating us on the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Now, uh, it, we're going to dive a little bit into the politics of this COVID-19. It's going to be, I guess, just short. Uh, everybody knows where I stand when it comes to uh, our president, uh, his take on the pandemic. Do you think that the country should uniformly mandate that we all should wear masks when we are in public settings? Yes, I do. I think it is a matter of public health, and it is the same that if you have a disease, you cannot infect other people. And with this, uh, you may be spreading disease and be asymptomatic. I think that the nation needs a leader to uh, lead the nation and to employ 
us all to wear masks and to hunker down so that we can get this virus under control. And if we simply take a moment and look at European and Asian nations, we can see that it worked. And our system of allowing each state or in some cases, the states even decided to allow the cities to make up their own policies it is not working, as we see with the hotspots in Texas and Florida. Got you. So on the, also on the pandemic, we are, um, I don't know, in, in the, some people say at the end of phase one, uh, some people say we're in the middle of phase one, some think it's going to be a rise. Do you think, what phase are we in, do you think? And do you think we're going to have a surge in cases when it gets back cold uh, in the winter months? I think we're going to have a surge in cases in the next month. And this is why. Uh, I think that we have many people who have started to, many states that have started to reopen, including the state of Illinois. And we have people who are traveling and we have many people who are traveling to warmer spots and beaches in Florida and Texas. Okay. <laughs> and I do believe that we are going to see increases in numbers. I do know that in the, the county that we reside in, in Illinois, that we today saw a surge in the number of cases. Gotcha. And I do believe that the numbers are going to continue. They're going to rise in the coming weeks. And I think that they're going to disproportionately affect young people. I think young people are going to be the positives. Gotcha. Now, do you think that, because I know there's, there's, there's a twofold uh, thing out there. Are we seeing the rise in cases because we are testing more? Or are we seeing the rise in cases just by not being educated enough to social distance and wear our masks? Well, I think that when you do test more, you are going to, to see more, and especially with the asymptomatic people. So when you have asymptomatic patients who are coming in because jobs or uh, elective procedures or various things are employing them to get the test and then they test positive, yes, because they would not have gotten that test. So there is a theory there and you are going to see some increase in tests. I do think that we also, when we didn't have tests available, I do think that it is just as plausible that we had positives that went unknown because we didn't have tests to actually test them. Um, so there's that, but I also think that we have been talking about this since March. Yes. And I think that at this point we have passed the 90 day period and most people have just simply gotten restless. People in 2020 are not used to sitting still. So they have now gotten restless and um, they have just decided that they are willing to gamble with COVID-19 because, uh, in the words of my grandmother, some people just do not believe that fat meat is, in fact, greasy. All right. So, All right. <laughs> so they have not seen anyone with COVID-19. They haven't tested positive for COVID-19. Right. And they are ready to go to restaurants. And they need to spend money at TJ Maxx and Marshalls and the like. And they need to get out of their house. When, in fact, that is not a need. That is a want. Yes. 
Yes. So um, before we get out of here on part one of the Grandson of a Pastor podcast with Dr. Felicia Kimbrough, I want you to give our listeners a lesson or, or, or something that they can take to their other people that's going to get them uh, ready for the COVID-19 when we begin to open back up schools, churches, and everything. Let's give my listeners something uh, that they can gravitate to uh, when it comes back to this reopening phase. I, I, I still just want everyone to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And I just want to... Uh, encourage everyone to wear your mask when you're out in public settings. If not for yourself, think of someone else's grandmother, think of someone else's immunocompromised child or someone with cancer. Wear your mask, wash your hands, and avoid touching your face. Got you. So we're about to wrap up on Grandson of a Pastor podcast. If you got any suggestions uh, for the podcast, you can email us at edware2020 at gmail.com. Also, you can send your suggestions to me at P.O. Box 34153, Louisville, Kentucky. And also, we're going into uh, part two with Dr. Kimbrough. We're going to be talking about consent and sexual violence. And this, talk, this topic is a topic uh, that needs to be talked about because we are going back into schools in a month and a half. And a lot of people are just not willing to talk about sex and, and sexual activity that's going on uh, in our world today. So we are going to have Dr. Kimbrough, who is an expert, has spoken to many, many people about uh, the consent and sexual violence. And before we go, I want Dr. Kimbrough to talk just a little bit, give us a tidbit on what we're going to be talking about on part two of Grandson of a Pastor. Well, Mr. Ware, we're going to talk about when we should start talking about sex and body parts, um, dating in 2020, how to protect yourself, what you should be doing, what we should not be doing, and how we need to talk to our young men about consent and sexual violence and sexual assault, uh, and maybe change the dialogue, as in the past, we've always put that on young ladies, maybe we need to change the dialogue and talk to young men a little bit more. All right, again, you're listening to the Grandson of a Pastor podcast with your host, Yurik. And yes, we are truly a grandson of a pastor. Again, I'd like to thank Dr. Felicia Kimbrough for coming on, and we're going to have her on part two of Grandson of a Pastor. Again, thank you for listening to Grandson of a Pastor with your host, Yurik. Thank you. Shine this little light of mine.